Chapter 15 of the History of Burke and Hare and of the Resurrectionist Times. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The History of Burke and Hare by George McGregor. Chapter 15 The End Approaches proposed extension of business mrs dockerty claimed as burke's relative the lodgers dismissed the murder of mrs dockerty but the end was near this wholesale slaughter of human beings in the metropolis of a civilized country was almost finished the only marvel was that it had lasted so long the work had been conducted with so much impunity, however, that the prime movers in this dreadful conspiracy against human life had made arrangements for the extension of their operations. They found a ready market for their goods, and when they took a body to Surgeon's Square, they were always encouraged to bring more. Their efforts and the cause of science were thus appreciated by the scientists themselves, and it matters little whether these scientists were aware of the diabolical means their favorite merchants used to obtain possession of the bodies they brought for their use to rob a churchyard of its ghastly contents was as much a crime though it was certainly not so serious against the laws of the country and the public sense of morality as the murder of a fellow creature for his mortal remains and then burke and hare found their work comparatively easy and very remunerative though perhaps a little risky it was much easier than the cobbling of boots and shoes or travelling about the country as a peddler they enjoyed themselves looking for victims and the process of getting one into a fit state of disposal was quite suited to their tastes when it came to the point when the person to whom so much attention was paid was stupid and helpless there was as a rule little to be done burke described the method very simply in his Corant confession when they kept the mouth and the nose shut for a few minutes they the victims could make no resistance but would convulse and make a rumbling noise in their bellies for some time after they ceased crying and making resistance they the murderers left them to die by themselves but their bodies would often move afterwards and for some time they would have long breathings before life went away and every one can re-echo the sentiment of the remark by burke made almost in presence of that death he had so often invoked on others it was god's providence that put a stop to their murdering career or he did not know how far they might have gone with it even to attack people on the streets all these circumstances then added to the freedom from suspicion which burke and hare hitherto enjoyed render it not at all surprising that these desperate men should have laid their plans for an extension of their business burke and another man with whom they had arranged were to go to glasgow or ireland and tried the same there, forwarding the subjects to Hare in Edinburgh, who was to dispose of them to Dr. Knox. The other man 
was popularly believed to be David Patterson, Dr. Knox's porter, and he was openly charged in the public prints of the time with being in complicity with Burke and Hare, although he strenuously denied it, but more of that at the proper time. The contract with Dr. Knox also was highly satisfactory. They were to receive ten pounds in winter and eight pounds in summer for as many subjects as they could supply. This scheme, however, was not carried into effect, for the end came suddenly. The last of the West Four tragedies was the murder of Mary Campbell, or Dockerty, an old Irish woman, who had come to Edinburgh to look for her son. On the morning of the 31st October, the Friday of the Sacrament Week, Burke was in Rymer's grocery store near his own closed mouth, talking to the shop boy while he sipped a tumbler of liquor. As he was doing this, an old woman entered the shop and asked for assistance. Burke, ever on the outlook, saw the poor beggar was in every way suitable for his purpose. She was an old and frail stranger, who would never be missed because she was not known, and her very frailty would make her a sure and easy victim. He soon got into conversation with her, asked her name, and what part of Ireland she came from. She answered him readily, and he, having thus got the cue, said she must be some relation of his mother, whose name was also Dockerty and out of what appeared to be pure friendliness, out of a feeling of patriotism or kinship, he invited her to his house to partake of breakfast with him. The poor woman was thus offered what she most needed, and delighted to find she had met a friend, she accompanied him to the house, once occupied by Brogan, but which, since that person had left the city, had been tenanted by Burke, and Helen MacDougall. Mrs. Dockerty was made welcome by MacDougall, who seemed to understand everything. Burke sat the breakfast, but the stranger would not touch it until noon, as it was Friday. Leaving Helen MacDougall to look to the comfort of their guest, Burke went in search of Hare, whom he found in Rymer's public house. They had a gill of whiskey together and Burke then told his colleague that he had at home a good shot to take to the doctors. Hare, of course, was ready to participate in the work, and went with his colleague. By the time they arrived at the house, they found that MacDougall and the old woman had after their breakfast set about cleaning up the room, and had everything as neat and tidy as the ill-furnished tumble-down structure could well be. Burke again visited Rymer's for some provisions, and preparations were made for a night's junketing to be followed by the usual tragedy. But there was a serious difficulty in the way, and that must be got rid of before anything further was done. At that time there were lodging with Burke an old soldier named James Gray and his wife. The man was a native of the grass market, who, after an attempt to learn his trade as a jeweller, had enlisted in the Elgin Fencibles, transferring afterwards to the 72nd Regiment. 
and who had returned with his wife to edinburgh after an absence of about seventeen years he met burke in the high street about a fortnight before the affair with mrs dockerty and had lodged with him for nearly a week the difficulty therefore was to get this couple out of the house without creating suspicion for they could not be trusted burke explained to them that he had discovered the old woman was a relation of his mother and certainly the animated conversation carried on in irish by him and the woman seemed to confirm the statement that some relationship however distant existed between them of course it would not do for mrs dockerty to seek accommodation anywhere else than in her relations house and it would be a matter of obligement if mr and mrs gray would find quarters in some other place for a night or two gray and his wife readily acquiesced in the suggestion and burke went out to look after lodgings for them these were easily obtained in hare's house and the unwelcome couple towards evening left for their new abode thus far the arrangements had worked admirably and now that the way was clear the tragedy could begin at once in the evening mrs hare joined the company and the fun began the whisky circulated rapidly burke indulged his musical taste by singing his favorite songs and the old woman crooned over some of the irish ballads she had learned in her youth dancing too was engaged in and once or twice visits were paid to the house of a neighbor where the revelry was continued and where dockerty hurt her foot while endeavoring to emulate the sprightliness of her more youthful companions as the night wore on they kept more to their own house the neighbors between ten and eleven o'clock heard a great disturbance proceeding from burke's dwelling and some of them though used to the sounds of drunken riot from that quarter had the curiosity to look through the keyhole of the door to see what was going on one of them a woman saw or thought she saw helen macdougall holding a bottle to the mouth of dockerty pouring the whisky down her throat after a while the disturbance ceased but not for long about eleven o'clock hare quarrelled with burke and the dispute could only be settled by an appeal to blows whether this was a real quarrel or not would be difficult to say for though burke himself declared it was a real scuffle it has been pointed out as a suspicious circumstance that this quarrel is in a sense the counterpart of the one that took place between burke and macdougall immediately before the murder of mary patterson while the two men were fighting mrs dockerty tipsy though she was tried to interfere she rose from the stool on which she had been sitting by the fireside and asked burke to sit down as she did not wish to see him abused the fight however still continued and hare whether by design or not knocked the old woman over a stool she fell heavily and owing to the amount of drink she had taken was unable to rise whenever this had been done the fighting ceased mrs hare and helen macdougall slipped out of the house and burke and hare set to work on the prostrate helpless woman it was after the old method but a fatal mistake was made one of them 
grasped her violently by the throat leaving the mark of the undue pressure soon the woman was dead burke undressed the body doubled it up and laid it among a quantity of straw beside the bed the women then returned to the room and burke went to see patterson dr knox's porter brought him to the house and pointing to the place where the body lay told him that there was a subject that would be ready for him in the morning when patterson left the four human fiends resumed their debauch and for the last time together they spent a riotous night the murder was committed between eleven and twelve o'clock on halloween eve and they brought in the month of november with heavy drinking about midnight they were joined in their cups by a young fellow named brogan a son of the man to whom the house had once belonged and who as we have seen was bought off when the first murder that of macdougall's cousin was committed in it at last when the morning was far advanced they were all overcome by sleep and the party lay down to rest with the body of the murdered woman beside them end of chapter fifteen recording by john brandon